Good evening to you all and thank you for joining us once again for the Salvation Meeting here on Fortress Radio. that last week in my closing prayer I used the words of a very old chorus. It's not an army one as it happens, but by C. Austin Miles, who also wrote the chorus, and he walks with me and he talks with me. And we also sang that last week. God incidents again, no doubt. Anyway, the words that I used were, I'll bring the one next to me, and you bring the one next to you. In all kinds of weather, we'll all work together and see what we can do. I used it as a challenge for us all to go out and try it this week, following on from the message, which said it wasn't much use for us to receive the great news of God's salvation and companionship through our lives, but then just keep it to ourselves. But it was also to introduce the march, one by one, by John Pattison, that the band were going to play after the benediction. Well, it also served as a very natural link between last week's meeting and today's. For our message today is given to us by Colonel Sed Hills, who's currently the Chief Secretary in Indonesia. Sed and his wife Lynn were the Corps officers for some time while I was at Portsmouth Citadel, and Sed was a fine bumper up to me on euphonium in the band for several years too. So he'll be speaking to us later about the whole world being a great harvest field and God looking for workers to go out into that field and harvest souls for him. The songsters opened our meeting tonight with a great song of praise, Great is the Lord. And let's join our voices and hearts together now as we sing song number 52, O worship the King, all glorious above. And we're going to use that great tune, Laudate Dominum. Yeah. 
Well, that was a great sing to start our meeting off this evening. But I can't get the words of that opening songster piece out of my head. So let's read together Psalm 96. Great is the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendour and majesty are before him, strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendour of his holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Now, one thing that's really great about being able to do these evening meetings for you at the moment is that I have endless amounts of flexibility. The meeting doesn't have to go in any set order. And if I want something, the bandmaster and the songster leader are almost always very accommodating. So, bandmaster, what are the chances of hearing William Himes' setting of that psalm from the first movement of the suite to the chief musician? Ah, I thought you might have it there ready on the stands for us right now. So here it is. <laughs> Thank you. 
we come together now to pray, I just can't help it. Having heard that great music, music with a truly built-in message, of course, how could it not be with the words of the psalm built into its very heart? My heart feels so ready for the next part of that suite. But instead of the band, I'm reminded of something else that I've been involved in this week. Former staff songster Katie Harding has one of those voices that I just can't hear enough of. And it's been the same ever since I was a young man in the corps at Portsmouth, and Katie was even younger in the singing company and then the songsters there. Over this lockdown, Katie, who lives and works now in Hong Kong, has been getting former students of the National Music School at Cobham Hall back together, virtually of course, to record a couple of songs. And I sang on the latest of these, Bruce Broughton's Sweet Jesus, just this week. But it's Katie we're going to hear now, singing Evangeline Booth's timeless song of dedication, I Bring Thee All. It's number 419 in the songbook if you want to either follow the words or join in. But more importantly, I pray that this is the prayer of every one of us this evening. I bring thee all. Thank you. 
Lord Jesus, as we come to you this evening, may that truly be the prayer of our hearts, to bring to you our all, that you will take us, break us, melt us, mould us, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and use us to bring other souls to you. We thank you for our salvation. We thank you for leaving your heavenly throne, casting off your glory there and coming to earth to truly be one of us, knowing the trials and temptations, joys and sorrows, and everything that being a human being entails, right up to the horrors of accusation, falsehoods and the cruelty of men to your obedience to the Father's will in dying on Calvary so that sin and evil could be defeated once and for all. Yet praise and glory be to the Father who raised you from the dead and gave you the name that is above every other name. And we know that one day soon, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in praise, recognition and surrender to your most holy status as Lord and Master of all. We pray, Lord, for all who need you at this difficult time in history. Despite the gradual easing of measures in social distancing and social bubbles and meeting other people, there are still very many who are dying many who are ill, many who are still suffering from loneliness and bereavement or worry about loved ones. Give us peace in our hearts at this time, Lord, and be close to us. Let us feel the warmth and comfort of your everlasting arms round about us every day and every hour. Help us, Lord, to be your witnesses to a world that needs to hear your gospel, your message of salvation. Let us, having given you our all, be harvesters in your field, winning the ones next to us every day and bringing them to you so that they too can know the joy of life by your side with you as their saviour, their hope for a better future, both here on earth and also with you in glory. Be with all who listen to this meeting, Lord, and if any of us have strayed from you or no longer have the joy and zeal that we once knew, then reinvigorate us, draw us back to you and fill our lives with your Holy Spirit so that we're empowered in our work for you. Hear our prayers, O Lord, and accept our offerings. Amen. Let's sing again now a song of testimony. It's song number 873. Jesus is my Saviour, this I know. And of course that chorus, oh, that's the place where I love to be, at the cross of Jesus. And then Diane Ridley of William Booth Memorial Halls in Nottingham is going to share her testimony with us. Jesus is my Saviour, this I know. He has given peace to my heart. When my soul was burdened, filled full of woe, seeking from my sin to part. Graciously he heard me when I prayed, drew me to his river side. Then my faith I was, and so was saved. His blood was there upon. Oh, that's the place where I love to be, for mighty wonders there I see. Thank you. 
liberty I claimed from my sin. Readily he gave it, and so, so glad was my heart and made by him. Let us preach upon me in this glory, blessed is the spot to me, where I knelt to thank him, overjoyed, to find my soul most army. I knew what it meant to be a Christian. I gave my heart to Jesus at the age of seven at Exeter Temple and I knew what was expected of me. However, as I grew up, I came a bit like the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7 and verse 19. I wanted to do the things that were good, but I did not do them. I started to mess up my life, making the same mistakes over and over again. I left God and the army numerous times and each time I came back, I promised it would be different and it would be for a while. But one of my biggest failings in life is my lack of consistency. I've been back in the relationship with God for a number of years now, but I have still struggled with consistency in my personal devotions, prayer and Bible study. However, in December 2019, I took on the Facebook challenge to read Luke's Gospel, and I've been reading ever since. God has spoken to me numerous times in the last six months. For example, I will have read something that would then be preached about in worship on Sunday, or would be backed up with my daily reading books, or somebody would speak to me in a conversation and confirm what I'd felt God was saying to me. I have to confess it has also thrown up a lot of questions, but that has given me a, at first to actually understand my Bible more. I find myself talking to God a lot more, and God has been teaching me to trust him more. Being without an officer at our core, we've had various leaders doing our worship, and we had Lee, Lee Highton Nichols from the Older Persons Ministry team, who spoke about miracles. I have to confess, I sat there thinking miracles are for other people or a thing of the past. But that week, a family member had a serious stroke and wasn't expected to live. My mum immediately got a prayer circle going all over the country. And our family member has made a remarkable recovery and is improving beyond expectations, which I believe was a direct result of prayer, a modern day miracle. This motivated me even more to remain consistent with my Bible study, prayer and journey with God. But then having said that, just before lockdown, I did have a slight wobble with my consistency, missing spending my time on the odd day with God. I'm a foster carer and very good at filling my time doing things. And then I came across this article, The Difference. I got up early one morning and rushed right into the day. I had so much to accomplish that I didn't have time to pray. Problems just tumbled about me and heavier came each task. Why doesn't God help me, I wondered. He answered, you didn't ask. I wanted to see joy and beauty, but the day toiled on grey and bleak. I wondered why God didn't show me. He said, you didn't seek. I tried to come into God's presence. I used all my keys at the lock. God gently and lovingly childed. My child, you didn't knock. I woke up early this morning and paused before entering the day. I had so much to accomplish that I had to take time to pray. Lockdown has been very devastating for so many people. But my journey with God over the last six months, I know has helped me during this time. The vast amount of Christian services that have been available to attend online, this one included, has given me the opportunity to grow spiritually and to be able to share in, in turn and witness to my family and friends who probably would never have come to a place of worship, but have shared services at a distance. Old army values in a modern way, taking God to where people are rather than expecting God to come to us is making a difference and having an impact and making us think outside the box. 
Then to bring my testimony right up to date, I am aware that the devil will try and tempt me to take my eyes off God again. But God has spoken to me this week in my daily devotions, reminding me to soak my mind in his word, so that when I'm tempted to give up, he will be there to hold me fast. He's also reminded me not to look back, because the past is gone and forgiven. And then today, God reminded me of his loving kindness to me. I love my God, and I don't ever want to leave him again. My prayer is for consistency in my walk with him, to learn more. And to in the words of the chorus, to be like Jesus, this hope possesses me. In every thought and deed, this is my aim, my creed. His spirit helping me, like him I'll be. Let's sing together that chorus that's so familiar. To be like Jesus, this hope possesses me. To be like Jesus, this hope possesses me. In every thought and deed, this is my aim, my creed, to be like Jesus, this hope possesses me, his spirit helping me, like him I'll be. of weeks ago I received a testimony in writing. It's from Peter Cook, who I'm told listens regularly to this meeting. And Peter wanted to share these words with us this evening. Good evening everyone and God bless you. I'm Peter, Peter Cook. I was born in Nottingham, UK in the year of three kings, George V, Edward VIII and George VI. Evangeline Booth was the general. Just short of ten years later, when her successor, George Carpenter, was approaching retirement, I made my first public decision and a month later I was made a junior soldier. So I've served under 17 of our 21 generals. In 1958 I moved south and in 1964 I came to Upper Norwood Corps where I've been ever since. In 1959, I commenced what would become a lifetime ministry in writing songs, articles, etc. for the Salvation Army. In about 1990, I had a phone request for a song on behalf of a member of Birmingham Citadel Songsters. The result was an item called Of Whom I Sing. It contains these lines. Had I a thousand years to live, I'd live them in joyful service for my heavenly King. Those words are as true now as when I wrote them. Thank you for listening, and God bless you. And thank you, Peter, for sharing that testimony with us this evening. I think the first time I remember being aware of Peter's words was in that beautiful songster setting with music by Edward Gregson, Before Thy Cross. We recorded that song with Portsmouth Songsters some years ago, but right now we're going to hear Joy Naylor, now of the Winsford Corps, sing the song that Peter referred to in his testimony. Set to lovely music by Edvard Grieg, this is Of Whom I Sing. Oh, 
Our Bible reading this evening is taken from Matthew chapter 9 verse 35 to chapter 10 verse 8. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus called his twelve disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, who's called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. For their message this evening, the band is going to play us now a setting of an American song with music written by the famous singer George Beverly Shea. The verses of the song all have the same theme. I'd rather have Jesus than... But the second verse reads, I'd rather have Jesus than men's applause. I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to his holy name. May that be the prayer for each one of us this evening as we listen now to my friend Keith Hutchinson with the Enfield Citadel Band. I'd rather have Jesus.
Hello. My wife Lynn and I currently serve as officers in the Indonesia Territory, so I'm very grateful to Mark for the opportunity to engage in a little international specialing this evening. This weekend was to be a very special one for the Indonesia Territory, commissioning weekend. It was something we were all eagerly looking forward to, but government restrictions on large gatherings, coupled with strict domestic travel restrictions, mean the significant event has been postponed for two months, and we are praying hard that the impact of COVID-19 will subside and restrictions can be lifted by then. Although more than 30 years ago, I remember my commissioning and early officership very well. As a new corps officer, one of my fears was the blank page that greeted me each week on sermon preparation day. So, many years ago, I decided to follow the church lectionary. Well, at least I could quickly type the Bible reference, even if I still needed to develop the thoughts. The postponement of commissioning appeared rather poignant when I discovered the lectionary's New Testament reading for today is Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, through to chapter 10, verse 8. The heart of this passage features one of Scripture's most often quoted verses. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Indonesia has a population of almost 270 million with Muslims comprising 87%. The Christian church, at about 10% of the population, is very much in the minority. I'm so grateful that our training college is full to maximum capacity, even if we're having to wait a few more weeks for their commissioning and sending out. Jesus created vivid word pictures on a canvas of everyday situations. The COVID pandemic in the UK has given this central verse an equally graphic, secular meaning. With European borders closed, the farming industry is struggling to recruit the required 80,000 seasonal harvest workers. From the far side of the world, I've seen and read the doom-mongers headlines about food rotting in the ground for lack of workers. There were serious doubts that British workers would rise to the challenge. But, when confronted with it, thousands of Britons have indeed answered the call to work in the UK's fruit and vegetable farms this summer, or so say the Reuters news agency. Good news, but the very same report goes on to say many more are still needed to fully secure the harvest. An interesting parallel to this week's text. Faced with a shortage of labourers for the kingdom of God, I find some irony in the way Jesus commands his disciples, on your knees and pray for harvest hands. Well, that's the message paraphrase of 9 verse 38. Because in the very next verse, we discover Jesus sending out those very same disciples. I'm sure God has a wonderful sense of humour. And I picture him smiling as he gently reminds us, My child, sometimes the answer to your prayer is you. Have you experienced that your own prayer might occasionally be the catalyst for a gentle, holy prod? When we read this passage, there are some very familiar phrases. The passage begins with the news that Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Now, if you think you've read that somewhere before, you're correct. It appears almost identically in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, immediately after the calling of the disciples. These two verses encompass the famous Sermon on the Mount and the record of healings and miracles that we find in chapters 8 and 9, sitting rather like biblical bookends. I'm reminded of the three-step advice given to speakers. Tell them what you're going to say, say it, then tell them what you've said. It's as if Jesus is saying, 
this is what we're going to do. This is how we do it. Now, it's over to you to keep doing it. So, what is it that Jesus needs his harvest workers to do? Please allow me to offer you three simple suggestions. The first task is to share with others a simple message. The kingdom of God is at hand. God is real. God is present. God is near to us, in us, around us, alive and powerful. These COVID days have witnessed to the power of physical company and the frustrations of loneliness. Social isolation, separation from families have been challenging for many people. As God's harvest workers, the message is very uncomplicated. The power and presence of God is alive, near you, around you and in you. And if you think that also sounds rather familiar, it is. This is the same simple message adopted by John the Baptist at the beginning of chapter 3. And it was the very same simple message that Jesus began his ministry with, recorded in chapter 4, verse 17. Friends, if you're nervous about joining the kingdom's harvest workers because you doubt your knowledge of Christian doctrine or the intricacies of theology, please don't fear. We've been entrusted with a beautifully simple message. Jesus modelled a very simple method. Go to the needy. Go to the sick and blind and crippled, those with leprosy, those who have experienced death and bereavement. Go to people who really need God's help in their lives. Earlier in chapter 9, Jesus said, healthy people don't need a doctor, it's the sick people who do. During these last few weeks, it's been so moving to see a renewed emergency of community spirit and neighbourly caring. Eyes have been opened to needs and hearts stirred to respond. The disciples' original method was very simple. Go to those in your community who need the power and the presence of God to help them. And finally, the disciples were given a simple attitude. Compassion to those who were hurting. During his earthly ministry, Jesus was moved to compassion many times when he saw the sick, the blind, those gripped by evil, the bereaved. And as we read in verse 36, it was Jesus' own compassion that spurred his call for workers. Compassion, not cynicism. Empathy, not criticism. Acceptance, not condemnation. Jesus preached the good news of the kingdom, accompanied with actions of mercy, motivated by a spirit of compassion. And in doing so, he provides the model for us to do the very same today. Indonesia is a beautiful country and we enjoy so many blessings living here. But there are simple things we miss, including, strangely, Tesco Superstore. As I stand in our local supermarket in the long, slowly moving line waiting for the cashier, my mind drifts to Tesco and their two-in-front policy. If your line is too long, if there are more than two in front, the manager calls over the tannoy, cashiers to the checkouts, please. And with that call, they come. An army of cashiers waiting to be summoned to relieve you of your money and gather the harvest. We have the tools, a simple message, a simple method, a simple attitude. As Jesus issues the summons for kingdom harvesters, will you help to gather the harvest in? Well, God bless you as you do. See how the world
us to be true to our calling, to listen to your voice and go where you lead us to go, to be your harvesters in the fields of this dark world, to help the needy, the sick and the marginalised in our society, to take the love of Jesus to whoever we meet every day of our lives. Amen. My thanks this evening go to Colonel Said Hills, of course, but also to the bands of Boscombe, Enfield and Hendon, the Portsmouth and Kettering songsters, the Masters singers Joy Naylor, Katie Harding and Bobby Irvin. Our final song this evening is number 932, a logical, well to me anyway, follow-up to all that we've shared this evening especially with reference to our unique opportunities in the Salvation Army, for which we always praise God. The Lord's command to go into the world and preach the gospel unto all is just as true today as when his first disciples heard this mighty call. So let us gird ourselves and go to battle against the powers of sin and wrong. Join the fight for the right in his everlasting might and sing our marching song. On we march with the blood and the fire. To the ends of the earth we will go. 
and the Saviour's love will be the theme of our song, because we love him so. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all until we can meet like this again. Amen.
Sorry. 